Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, as we gather this morning, we're going to continue a series we began last week as we explore how to read the Bible. And as we did that, we kicked off the series by kind of talking about what it means for us to engage God's Word, what God's Word is. And we had a theme verse for ourselves. These words from Psalm 119, verse 105. Let's read this together. Your Word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. All right, I got a question for you to get started. How many of you have ever faced a moment in life when you didn't know what step you should take next? what direction you should go, where you should be headed to in life. A few of you. A lot of you got it all figured out, evidently. Or you think, you know, maybe you haven't faced that moment yet. But you know, most of us get to those kind of moments in our lives. We just don't know which direction we should go. Life is confusing, it's conflicted, and it's crazy and chaotic. And th- these words really speak to us. And the reason to be in God's Word is that God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. You know, as Martin Luther says, when the scriptures speak, God speaks. And God speaks to those situations that we're in right now. The situation that you are facing and wrestling with right now. You know, the situation that I've been in for a while is is a situation where I'm not quite sure what the next step is and what direction some things are going. It's been chaotic and, and confusing and kind of, you know, restless and exhausting. Ever face those kind of moments in life? You know, and, and part of that's because our family is going through transitions. It was, we have a son that graduated from high school and a daughter from college, and they're venturing off into their own lives, and we see transitions happening. Our family's exciting but confusing and just kind of like, God, what is up next? Well, as we do this series, How to Study the Bible, you know, today and in the next two weeks, we're going to get a little more practical and give you some tools and resources on how to study the Bible. Maybe these are ones you've heard before, but, you know, we're going to put these into practice. So the next thing I want you to do is get that sheet of paper out. Again, all of you should have a blank sheet of paper. There should be pencils in the pews somewhere. So grab a pencil, borrow one from someone. You might have to share those. You're going to need probably a hymnal so you can kind of have a firm thing to write on. And what I want you to do, I'm going to take you all the way, way back to like preschool or maybe kindergarten. And I want you to kind of get your hands like this, loosen them up just a little bit. Take your hand, pin it on that piece of paper. And I want you to make an outline of your hand. You're not going to make turkeys, by the way. No turkeys here. But I make it, you know, that, that it should look something kind of like this here. You know, just outline your hand. Really simple. You didn't know you were going to come and do, like, art today, did you? And as you do that, you, what I'm going to walk you through is some of the kind of key components of reading the Bible, of studying the Bible. And remember, as we talk about the Bible, we're talking about the Bible not so that we're just gaining information, but that we want God's Word. We want the Scriptures, as God speaks to them, to transform us and shape us, to transform and shape our attitudes and our actions, and to speak to whatever it is we're facing in life. Some of you still like your challenge a little bit about doing that. We'll give you another few seconds here. We've we got to get moving here. So we're going to go through this next stuff fairly quick. And then we're going to take what we, we, we learn here, and we're going to walk through a portion of Psalm 23. I use Psalm 23, and I studied it this week, and then I kind of kept revisiting it. And it's a great text. It's one that a lot of us are familiar with. It's probably one of the most familiar passages of the Bible, even if you're not a Christian, even if you've read nothing else of the Bible. A lot of folks know the 23rd Psalm, The Lord is my shepherd. 
All right, so you've got your hand there, and you can write these words in if you like. We're talking about reading God's Word, being in God's Word, studying God's Word. The first thing is here. That's your pinky finger. You hear God's Word. You hear God's Word as Paul writes in Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing the message. And the message that is heard is what Christ spoke. So faith comes from hearing. So we hear God's Word. We're hearing God's Word right now in worship. For myself, for me to hear God's word spoken to me, you know, means that I go into social media and I go to some podcasts and I listen to a couple of different pastors that I enjoy listening to so that I can hear them speak God's word to me and to my life. But that's part of the reason we gather here in worship. You know, it's great to gather for a Bible study is that you get to hear God's word spoken to you, spoken into your life. Now, let's keep moving here. The second so that ring finger is read. Read God's Word. Makes sense if you're going to read and study God's Word, that you read it. But when we talk about reading it, you know, the traditional practice that we have in our worship services that's been the practice for, for many Christians throughout history and even reach back into what we call the Old Testament times, the God's Hebrew people, they would read Scripture publicly. But also what I encourage you to do is, is not just read it. I mean, you can't just let it sit there. You've got to read it, right? But, but read it out loud. When you're studying the scriptures, read it out loud. Now, maybe if you're sitting at Starbucks, you know, if I'm usually up in the morning, I'm at Starbucks, I don't read it out loud. But if I'm home, I like to read it out loud so that I hear the words, not just see the words. Read it out loud and read it several different times. Read it in multiple translations. You know, I used to have a shelf full of different translations of the Bible. And I've gotten rid of all those Bibles, gave them away except for, you know, the one Bible that I've had for years. It's my study Bible. You know, it's worn out, but loved. Because now I've got, you know, I've got on my phone, I've got the app that I like is version. And if I'm sitting at the laptop, I use Bible Gateway. And I can find multiple translations. And the reason to find different translations is that sometimes there are subtle differences in how they approach the text. And sometimes that gives you that aha kind of moment. When you read maybe the King James Version, then you pop over to the New International Version. From there, you go to the New Living Translation. And my favorite translation is God Word Translation. I really enjoyed that one. We could also do the English Standard. I mean, there's so many translations. And sometimes they're very much the same. But sometimes there's just little different ways they approach the text that make you think, oh, hmm. All right. So we have here. We have read. We talk about reading. Again, you know, Revelation 1-3, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy. So hear, read, and then the middle finger there is study. And it is stuck for me again, so if you move it to the next slide for study. It's study. Study God's Word. Now, when we talk about studying God's Word, again, we are not studying God's Word just for information. We're studying God's Word because God speaks to His through his word, his spirit works through that word, and it helps to shape us and transform us. So we talk about studying God's word. Take a look at Acts 17 11, as Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, says of the Bereans, these Hebrew people of God, they were very willing to receive God's message, and every day they carefully examined the scriptures to see if what Paul said was true. So when we study God's word, that means you, know, you might have, like this is here, this is a study Bible. This one you hear happens to be the Concordia Self-Study Bible. And I love it because, you know, when I open it up, it's got all kinds of 
cross-reference scriptures, and at the bottom it's got notes about the context and the culture and, and history, all kinds of things that can have, give you a deeper understanding of what the text is saying and what it's about. And I encourage you, you know, not just to take a verse from the Bible and then take it and take it all the way over here out of context. People have done that and sometimes have really twisted what the Bible says. And that we have to make sure that when we read, say, one of the parables of Jesus, that sometimes we read the chapters before and after to have a better understanding of what Jesus is saying. But also, too, if you've got a Bible like this or a commentary, you've got cross-references. So you take the word, for example, like shepherd. We're going to go into the 23rd Psalm a little bit. And you find other places where shepherd is referenced to in the Scriptures. And it helps to deepen your understanding of that context, the 23rd Psalm. All right. So we have here read, study, and then the pointing finger, the index finger, is memorize. How many of you remember, remember from memorizing, having to memorize Scripture either for like, because you went to catechism classes, confirmation classes, you go to parochial schools. How many of you love memorizing stuff? Not many of you. You know what? There's value in memorizing because when you memorize something, it, it works within your brain, and often it sticks with you longer. So if you memorize Scripture, then that part of Scripture dwells in you. Like what Paul says in Colossians, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Or as the psalmist says, Psalm 119, verse 10, and, or 9 and verse 11, that talks about holding your Word. And verse 11, that I treasured your promise in my heart. Imagine the kind of witness you can give if you have God's Word in your mind, in your heart, that you dwell in it. Not only for yourself, you find yourself in a situation, you can think, oh, you know what? God's Word says this, and God now is speaking to you because you memorized a portion of the Scripture. But it also means that that's a portion of Scripture that you might be able to share with someone else. That if they're going through a situation, you can say, you know what? There's a, some words in the Bible that have really helped me out in a situation like this. Can I share those with you? And so you may not have your Bible with you, your phone with you, but you're able to pull those out of your memory. And so they begin to really shape who we are. All right, so we have hear, read, study, memorize, and then the next one, the thumb, is meditate. Meditate can touch all aspects of these. And we talk about meditating. You know, we reference like Psalm, verse, chapter, Psalm 1, verse 2. Rather, he delights in the teachings of the Lord and reflects on his teachings day and night. So saying that the one who reflects on it day and night, that he is like a tree planted by a stream. So even though there may be a drought, this tree produces fruit it is still alive. So even though there may be dry times and difficult times, when we are planted in God's word, God gives us life. So as we meditate and we reflect on this, the word idea of meditating is that like as you study, for example, you can study and, and you can take notes. I didn't bring my journal up here, but sometimes I take notes and I write down thoughts and I, and I say, you know, how is God challenging me here? You know, the law, am I being convicted of a sin, an attitude, an action that I've, you know, got going on in my life? Sometimes it's how's God offering his promise, his gospel, his good news to me. Sometimes I, I like to, you know, artistically have images that come to mind because, you know, I'm, I'm artistic. And so having a place where I can journal. For those who are in confirmation class, they get the sermon notes. There are places they can write words if they want, ideas. But they can also scribble, you know, something, create something, whether it's stick figures or like, you know, the next masterpiece. But that we engage God's word as we hear, read, study, memorize, and meditate. Now, 
Again, the Bible is not just about information, right? It's about what? It's about transformation. It's about God transforming us. So if we're going to do that, we then we have to talk about, and this goes in the palm of your hand, application. We want to apply God's word to our lives, to the situation that we're in right now. So as we hear it, as we read it, as we study it, as we memorize it, as we meditate and wrestle with what God's word is saying, we make that application to our lives. What does God want me to learn from this scripture? What is he saying to my life right now? All right, so as we do that, like we said, we're going to take a look now at Psalm 23. I'm going to focus on the first three verses. And this was great. Sometimes, you know, if you've ever been done this, like me, I'm like, I picked the 23rd Psalm because it's a great one. I know it, and it's one everyone else probably knows. And then I start reading, and I think, well, God, it's almost like you are working the back of my brain to tell me to pick the 23rd Psalm because it fit the chaotic, nutty restlessness that I have been feeling over the last number of weeks. Like God said, I wrote this just for you. So let's walk through this. You know, the hand and the the fingers we have again, hear, read, study, memorize, meditate, and apply as we talk about the 23rd Psalm. Again, I said, you know, I'm a visual person. I'm, I'm artistic. I love to see things visually. Sometimes it makes things come to life. So as I thought about the Lord as my shepherd, this is the image that came to life. By the way, the sheep is not dead, as some people have suggested. If the sheep were dead, there would be flies. There are no flies here. This sheep is at peace. It is resting on this lush, green carpet of grass, resting in the shepherd. But let's go ahead and, as we think about that, take the words of the 23rd Psalm and begin to kind of pull them apart. Because, again, we talk about this. We talk about studying those words, reading a number of different translations and digging in. So that first verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now sometimes what happens too, and this is where it's great to study this, is you find that sometimes the English translation doesn't quite capture what the Hebrew in the Old Testament or the Greek in the New Testament really is saying. So David, you know, wrote Psalm 23. David, you know, was later King David, but before he was King David, he was what? He was Shepherd David. And so this is very real for him. He he understands the relationship of a shepherd and sheep. And he says these words, the Lord is my shepherd. But more literally what David is saying is Yahweh, one being shepherd of me. So in other words, the words that he uses in Hebrew Hebrew are Yahweh roi. Yahweh roi. The Lord is my shepherd, not some distant God. He's my shepherd. He cares for me. He watches over me. He leads me. He feeds me. He provides for me. He loves me. Some of the other images that come to mind as I read this psalm was the image of, you know, the shepherd, you know, carrying the sheep on his shoulders or scooping that sheep up and holding that sheep in his arms. The Lord is who? You should say that with confidence and comfort and marvel. The Lord is who? The Lord is your shepherd. He's my shepherd. Beautiful words. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't need a thing. And so, you know, with something like the Concordia Self-Study Bible, you read other passages in Scripture where it talks about God being our shepherd, whether is God's people are referring to God that way, or later God refers to himself as the shepherd of his people. 
You have Psalm 78 and Psalm 80 and Isaiah 40 and Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 34 and John 10. Which, that's why we picked this verse or that portion of Scripture. John 10, you know, 11, Jesus says, so I think as the first century hearers heard Jesus say, I am the good shepherd, immediately their brains were going to the 23rd Psalm and the 78th Psalm and the words of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. We even hear this reference of the shepherd, our God, in Hebrews 13 and 1 Peter 2 and 5. It's a powerful image that the Lord is my shepherd. So again, you know, when I worked on this and I read this, you know, I read many different translations. And, and I went and I listened to some of the people that I like to listen to and, and found some that preached on the 23rd Psalm. So I got to sit and listen to them. You know, and, and, I, and I read it aloud, and I, I read it quietly, and I worked on beginning to memorize this. I've actually memorized it, but trying to work on a different translation of memorizing this scripture. These words, the Lord is my shepherd. Yahweh, Roe, the Lord cares for me. God is my shepherd. He is my caretaker. He is my guide. He is my security. He is my provider. Let's move into verse 2. I'm going to say we're going to move here pretty quick here. Verse 2, though, says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Again, the reason I picked this picture with this little lamb lying on this lush green grass, you know, so peaceful, so asleep. You know, originally, by the way, too, I was bothered that there was the blue marking on the sheep, marked by, you know, as kind of like a tag or tattoo. And I thought, oh, that's kind of too bad. Then I began to realize, no, that's actually kind of cool. Because then that image brought to mind other thoughts and ideas, like my baptism, that I am marked by Christ the crucified, marked upon my forehead and behind my heart, redeemed by Christ the crucified. I belong to the good shepherd who gave us life for me, and that he leads me to green pastures. Now, again, here's where the Hebrew says so much more. It is so much more beautiful than what the English captures. Because more literally, you know, what, what is being said here, um, it's just, it's, it's amazing. Now, you think of green pastures, I'm thinking of like, you know, rolling hills. And well, that's great, and especially here in the Midwest, but here in the cultural context, and the language really is, is saying this. In an oasis of vegetation, he's making me recline. Now, think about this for a second. How many of you know when you think about an oasis, an oasis is what? It's a lush green spot in the middle of what? A desert. Where there is no life, no provision, where the conditions are harsh. I think about that as, as you, we think about these words, you know, and, and you begin to reflect on that. Again, this is where you study this. And you begin to say, wow. So this was already beautiful, but now, now I think about, you know, when my life feels like it's in the desert, when, when life is, is harsh and, and it's difficult and it feels like there's no provision and I'm tired and worn out and thirsty and exhausted, that my shepherd provides for me this oasis this lush green oasis, and invites me to recline, to rest in him. He leads me to the green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, you may not know this. Sheep 
Sheep do not like raging rivers. They don't like the sound and the motion. It freaks them out. And so the shepherd knows this, and the shepherd does not bring them to raging rivers. Have you ever tried to take a drink out of raging rivers? Like, you know, if you're whitewater rafting, you know, scoop down, take a drink of water. You might get a drink, but not the way that you intended to. Usually a big gulp of water and you're choking. But, you know, if you've ever been up in the mountains, you know, I grew up in Arizona, we go camping and climb up the mountains sometimes and get this beautiful stream, you know, this little gentle water flowing, and how cool and refreshing it was to take that drink. And this is the image here we have of the sheep coming to these still waters, these quiet waters. Again, this image of being refreshed, the image of resting in this Savior, in the arms of the shepherd. And I told you again, you know, it's like God just said, I picked this just for you, that because as I began reading through this and thinking of, you know, hearing it and, and reading it and studying it and memorizing it and meditating on it and then applying it to my life, so I think my life has been so chaotic. And again, I've always thought these words were beautiful. Boy, they really begin to come to life. That God is saying, James, rest in me. Rest in me and I will restore you. You know, and then again, looking at cross-references, you know, where it gets into the next portion of verses. Verse 3 says, he restores my soul. I mean, those words there of restoring, of reclining, of being refreshed in our Savior God. And again, the Hebrew brings to life so much more than what's there. The words that David uses in this is, are so picturesque. There's a, a figurative and, and a literal meaning in the, this word. Figuratively, it means to restore, to refresh, to repair. And more literally, it means to bring something back to its original state. And I thought about this, and I thought about this psalm. This is a psalm that, that I have read many times by the bedside of someone whose life is quickly ebbing away. Or I've used it for a funeral, and, and, and the words are so comforting. But then I thought about, you know, even my own life and what's going on right now, the immediate situation that I'm in, and I said, wow, there is a resting and a restoration both in the here and the now, and yes, in the future and the life to come in heaven. And the word that David uses, you know, you restore my soul Again, is saying the innermost part of who I am. You restore me to life. More literally, David is saying he causes life to return. So there's moments when it feels like everything has just sucked the life out of you. David is saying the shepherd causes life to return. As we rest in his grace, in his love, in his presence, and in his mercy. All for his name's sake. And again, the scriptures are full of those references for his name's sake. In Psalm 25, 11, For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Psalm 31, 3, For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. Psalm 109, 21, but you, O oh God, my Lord, deal on my behalf for your name's sake, because your steadfast love is good. Deliver me. See, as we wrestle through and, and work in these scriptures, whether it's Psalm 23, 1, we're familiar with, or whether we're going through the book of the Bible or the Gospels, 
you know, the opportunity for us to engage God's Word in multiple ways so that we do hear it and we read it and we study it and we memorize it and we meditate and we wrestle through this. We come back to those questions that we have, those images that came to mind as we read this text. You know, and this is a text that I've been working on this week. And, I, I, you know, I look at the next week coming up, I think I'm going to stay with this text. I'm going to work on this text some more and, and really let this work in my life. And talk about memorizing this, by the way. If you're going to memorize something, the 23rd Psalm, again, maybe you, you've already memorized that one, but it's one you don't know, especially if it's fairly short. You know, you spend some time with it. Spend several days, spend a week or so with that text. Dig deep into it. Let it breathe life into you. But if you memorize Psalm 23, if you don't have it memorized, you know, start day one memorizing verse one. And then day two, guess what you do? Day two... You review day one, so you review verse one and memorize verse two. And then day three, guess what you do? You review day one, review day two, and memorize verse three so that you're continually adding to that and begin to build this psalm into your life or build whatever scripture it is that you're reading. Maybe you're reading John 10, and you really want to take in that full text of John 10 and Jesus as the good shepherd, the one who lays down his life for who? Well, I was going to hope you said for his sheep, right? But more personally, for who? Yeah, for you, for me. The good shepherd has come that we would have life in him. And as we study God's word, and as we study God's word, it becomes more consistent and regular part of our lives. We begin to see more of those connections. You say, wow, when Jesus says, I've come to give life, and life to the full, it's restoration. It's rest in Him. Again, over the next two weeks, you know, we're going to engage in two different methods of engaging God's Word just to help us see the opportunities that are there for us to breathe in God's Word into our lives. So I'm going to give you a challenge. I like to give myself a challenge and kind of apply it again to my life. How will I rest in the care of my shepherd? That's the question I've been kicking around, and I'm going to continue kicking around for a number of days. How will I rest? Not in my own self-confidence, and my attitude, and my abilities, and the things that surround me. How will I rest in my shepherd? How will you rest in your shepherd? Whatever is going on in your life right now, whether everybody knows, whether nobody knows but you and the shepherd, how will you rest in him? Take this text, take a portion of this text, memorize it, dwell on it, meditate on it, read it again and again, and let God speak to you. Let the shepherd speak his words of life into your life. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the great gift of your love, for being the shepherd that loves us so dearly that you gave your life for us. May these words that we meditate on, Lord, may they be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. May they be life for us today. We pray this, Jesus, in your powerful name. God's people say, Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.